Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Corey Willis with PBI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us for today's podcast. This episode is one that it generates a lot of questions. I've seen it for years, and it's if you're in the market to either rebuild your transmission or buy a new one, when should you purchase a billet shaft? When is a stock one you know, plenty for your application? And what things should you factor into it, even if it is a billet shaft? Is it indestructible? Is it going to last forever? What can you do to make sure that you put the least amount of strain on your transmission? So we've got Frank from RevMax Converters on, and we're going to ask him that. We're going to go through a bunch of different transmission styles from four speeds to the brand new 10 speeds, everything in between, and ask him what are some things that you should consider based on your power level, the use, and even your driving style. So how much you may you know, use the truck to its full potential, use the full RPM range, or if you're towing heavy, you know, which shafts break at which point, and what you can do to make sure you don't get stuck on the side of the road with a broken shaft and, and a tow bill and, and everything else. So we're really looking forward to chatting with him about this topic today. Before we get to it, though, we want to encourage all of you listening on podcast apps If you'd like some extra content and a lot of discussion that happens on our episodes, make sure and go to YouTube and just search the Diesel Podcast, subscribe to it. You'll get notified automatically when one is out. And then there's a lot of great questions and and commentary that a lot of our fans on there have on our episodes. And if there's a a show suggestion or something you want us to go more in depth with, maybe we just barely touched on it in a podcast, let us know on YouTube. We'll make sure... When we have that guest or another one on, we'll make sure that we ask them and, and get your questions taken care of. All right, let's get to the podcast with Frank and chatting about transmission shafts and when you should go with a billet unit, if a stock one's plenty, and everything that goes into that whole setup. Frank, after the last podcast we did, uh, we did the little teaser that we were going to talk about input shafts and, well, just shafts in general on transmissions, and I know that uh, you have a lot to say about them, and you guys come across a lot of customers each day that are wondering, do I need one or... If I do get one, how much power can I crank through it? Is it indestructible? So I wanted to, uh, to chat with you about them and, and uh, you know, get some thoughts and some tips for truck owners out there if they're shopping for transmissions, what they should upgrade. Yeah, sure. Uh, nice to be with you again, as, as usual. Always happy to chime in and give everyone out there some information. So the infamous shaft question, do I need one? Or not? Mm-hmm. It's a question that literally happens here probably 10 to 15 times a day on the phones, and there is no, you know, set in stone answer. It's a very, very uh, open question. And what we always tell our customers is, before we go into your horsepower level and what you're doing with the truck, here's the deal. Uh, you know, a shaft is going to be in, is usually in the seven or eight hundred dollar range for any shaft, which is the most common shaft. And we always tell our customers, that's $700 now. Not that bad. 
if you break the shaft down the road, you're going to be buying another. You're going to be buying the shaft for seven or eight hundred dollars, the billet shaft. And on top of that, usually by the time you pull the transmission out of the truck, you ship it into us and, and pay for shipping round trip, and you pay for us to go back to the unit again from all the damage from, from the shaft breaking, as well as the torque converter. It's usually about a three to you know three to four thousand dollar bill when it's all said and done. So we try to tell customers, if you can afford to do the shaft, just do it. Uh, if you don't, you'll wind up, you know, possibly spending four or five times or six times the amount of money that that shaft would have cost you um, if you'd just done it at the beginning. Um, when we get into the whole discussion of that, well, do I need a shaft? And the, and the answer to that is most people would definitely benefit from going with a billet, billet shaft. It depends on which unit, where which shaft goes first, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But the answer is we could take a bone stock truck, bone stock Cummins, doesn't matter what it is, old truck, new truck, whatever. I go in the parking lot right now and I snap that, that stock shaft. Stock power truck, stock shaft, snap it. I could also do the same thing with a billet shaft if I wanted to. And that gets into the whole thing, well, wait a minute, I just bought a billet shaft, how could it break? And there are lots of variables of how shafts break and why they break. And we can start with a stock shaft. Well, a stock shaft is just that, it's stock. Uh, the materials are, are not anything special. Uh, usually at best we're looking at a 4140 derivative. Um, that's been heat treated. And, and you know, for a stock truck, for you know, up to stock towing weights with stock power, stock wheel tires and a responsible driver, that's the key, responsible driver, that shaft will last a lifetime. Rarely will that break, you know, one, you know, one out of 100 or maybe a couple out of 100 would break, you know, 400,000 miles. Now, you can take that same, that, that same analogy and we'll keep going down the road. So, well, hey, I've got an extra 75 horsepower. Do we need a shaft? Yes. Yep, I'm not making that much power. You've already gone past where the stock shaft was designed, was designed to fail at. So you, you, you have now increased your odds of a failure. If, I, if you go to 150, 200 horse, 300 horse, it just, the failure ratio just gets higher and higher and higher with the power level. There is no magic number. At 501 horsepower, you're going to break a shaft. And at 500 and below, you're not. Anyone who tells you that doesn't anything about transmissions or shafts. It doesn't work that way. Same thing goes for towing. Are you going to be towing extremely heavy? You absolutely need a shaft. Are you going to be towing, you know, lightly? Well, how often? Every single thing you start adding, a little power, a little towing, bigger wheels and tires, you start looking at more and more that you need a shaft. And the biggest, the biggest reasons why aftermarket transmission break more shafts than a stock transmission, because realistically, Stock 68s, even stock 4748s, if they're bone stock with a stock torque converter, a stock valve body, they tend to not really break shafts all often. They do it, but again, not that often. Clutches will usually fail inside the trans first. Now, what happens is, let's take a, uh, a 47 or 68 or even an Allison, it doesn't really matter what, you, what, what trans we take, with a stock torque converter. Well, with a stock torque converter, when that torque converter locks up, that that uh, even on a new Allison, they're only a twin disc. A 60 RFE stock is a twin disc. A 4748 was a single disc, so single clutch or, or, or dual clutch. And what happens is when that converter applies, 
it will actually slip when it engages versus shock and break the input shaft. Now, when you upgrade your torque converter to, say, a triple-disc torque converter, well, now that slip that would happen, that slow slip that would happen when it, when it first apply, is gone. So you are now immediately locking up. And again, with slippage, that stock factory clutch, if you really tote heavy or you turn the power up, it's just going to slip. Well, with, that new, with a new triplet converter, all that slip is gone. So all that energy is being transmitted directly through that input shaft of that transmission. So that's why a lot of people, after they, repl after they replace a torque converter, they find that they break an input shaft. The power level didn't go up, but the power going through the transmission did go up. And it, sometimes it goes up as much as 10 or 15%. You know, if, and if, if your lock of clutch is, is really hammered, you know, it, you know, it could be double, or, you know, double basically what, what you started with as far as you know, capacity going to the trans. Now, the next thing a lot of people do, um, they do a torque converter or they do a valve body or they put a shift kit in their transmission. Well, that's great, and that does really good things for the trans. Again, it shortens shift times, which, which is less slip in the transmission. But what happens when you do that is now you've got a more positive shift feel. So you feel more of a pop in the shift. Now, a slight little firm, crisp shift won't hurt anything, but it will put a little more strain on, on the shafts of the transmission. Where the issue comes in, it comes in more, you know, 99% of the time, it comes to the valve body either being a, a bad shift kit design being used, a improperly um, installed shift kit, or on the newer transmissions, bad transmission tuning. So let's start with the old stuff first, and then we'll work to the newer stuff at the second, the second part of this. So on your older 47, 48s, it's all about shift timing. And the valve body can be changed via orifice diameter changes and by spring rate changes uh, to change you know, how, how, how much overlap and shift timing there is. If the, if the timing is not right, we can have a flare. If the timing is also not right, we can have a bind. Now, there's also this weird right in the middle that's really bad, which is a bind you don't really know is happening. And if you have that, that will, that will immediately put stress on, the, on all the shafts of the transmission, and the weakest one will break. So, again, a lot of people will put a, a shift kit in or a new valve body in that's not, that wasn't necessarily designed properly or installed correctly, and what you'll get is a broken shaft that comes out of it. On the newer trucks, like the 68s, it's tuning. So... You know, you got your tuners out there that think they know everything because it, it comes down to, well, that felt good. Or, my, I, you know, I've never even driven my tune file, and I sent it to a customer. He said it felt good. Well, maybe that customer thought that that bind felt good. Or maybe that customer thought that, you know, he, it, it, it shifted great, but it was shifting super hard. And nine times out of ten, a, a super hard shift is a bind. Now, sometimes it's not, but most times it's a bind. So... That's what happens with the newer trans. The other thing that really puts a strain on these newer, newer transmissions and the older 4748s even is early lockup. And I know all you out there are going to hate to hear this, but I know you all love having early lockup because it feels like, you know, you have this truck that's a rocket ship, you know, in second or third gear. Well, when you do that, you 
absolutely are putting an enormous stress on that transmission and that input shaft, and you will break it. Early lockup is causing more trouble for all transmission builders out there, not just RevMax, it's everybody out there, that is killing input shaft on transmissions, especially on 68. And it's our company policy that we do not want early lockup. We prefer not to have lockup come on until fourth gear. It's not because we don't think it feels better. We know, we know it feels better, but it puts such strain on that input shaft that they break, you know, they break. And the proof is in the pudding. When you go back and you look at the evolution of the 68 in tuning, back in the day when the only thing we had was H&S, which is a canned tune, which did not and could not lock the converter up any sooner than four gear, nobody ever broke input shafts on 68 RFEs. It didn't happen. And ever since, tuners have been, have been evolving through EFI Live and uh, EasyLink and all the different platforms and being able to write their own code to lock up the converter earlier, well, as that's progressed more, so have input shaft failures. They go hand in hand. So that's where the whole, is it stock, is it power level, is it, is it towing, is it this? All that stuff comes together, and there's really no, there's no number we can give you. But know that if your truck's tuned, if your truck's got a modified torque converter, if your truck's got a modified valve body, you probably should get an input shaft. If you don't, well, it's gonna, it, if it breaks, don't be upset when it does because that's what happens. And the next thing that really blows people away is they think that, well, just because I bought a billet input shaft or output shaft or intermediate shaft, we can go to those later if you want, but it's never going to break. Well, that's not the case. So anybody who tells you that they don't break shafts and never have is lying to you or hasn't been in the business long enough. So unfortunately, every shaft will break at some point if you push it far enough. It doesn't matter who shaft, the diameter of the shaft, how many splines that shaft has on it, um, the heat treat process, the voodoo they, they, they put on it, it doesn't matter. It will break. And on, on you know, look at the 47, 48. I mean, we went from a stock, you know, a 300M shaft to a 300 Miraging shaft to an Aramet 100 shaft to a bigger diameter um, Aramet shaft now to uh, the Sander shaft and the Sonics bigger shaft. And the reason why is they keep breaking. They all break. It's just a matter of when and how far you can push it before it breaks. So regardless of how much money you spend on a shaft, it can still break. Now, the good news is, is the failures are... For every 100 stock shafts, maybe one billet one breaks. So the good news is it does give you a lot of peace of mind and protection, um, but you need to make sure you get the right shaft for the application. You don't get a cheap 300M shaft for a 2,000 horsepower truck. It's not going to last. You're going to blow it right apart. And the same if you look at power glides and turbo 400s and all the drag racing trannies, same thing. There's been so many evolutions of shafts over the years and diameters and materials just because as the power level goes up, the strain goes up, new, new materials, new designs, things change to keep up with the power levels. So I hope that can give you guys a little more information as far as how shafts break, why shafts break, and do I even need a shaft? One of the things that also factors into that, and I been through this myself at, <clears throat> at one time was uh, you know this truck wasn't wasn't something I towed with 
um, or, you know, used how I say probably 98% of truck owners use it. So it was something I'd have fun with at the track, but time and shock load, uh, you know, factored into it where, you know, I knew with this, this 48 RE with all billet shafts, I think, I don't know, maybe got 60 passes on it, 65. And then not even doing anything really, you know, at the track, it wasn't even on the track. I just snapped the input. And, but that was something where I almost factored it into kind of the maintenance costs for, for the year or, or what I thought I might have to spend on my truck because I had shock loaded. I did play around with the PCS settings. I did know, Hey, if I bring on converter lock up, but you know, in first gear or second gear, I'm, uh, you know, I'm eventually going to pay the price for this input shaft. And so I, th- I think a lot of times you know, a truck owner can say, Hey, I'm going to have a little fun with this truck. Uh, I'm going to invest in all billet shafts. And sometimes I think that they can think that they're, it, it's just going to be indestructible forever. It might be for 30 passes, for hundred passes, for 70 passes, but eventually you're going to overwhelm wh- whichever shaft it is, you know, depending on the transmission. And and so I think that's something to take into account as well. If somebody has a performance or a street truck or, you know, something that they're, you know, maybe taking to the, the local track or doing eighth or quarter mile passes is eventually that's going to happen. And you just have to factor it into your maintenance costs for, you know, your eight, 900,000, 1400 horsepower truck. It's just going to happen eventually. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I mean, listen, there it, it never ends. The, if you play with the truck, the more you play with it and turn it up, you're going to spend more money keeping it up. That's just the way it is. And if you don't want that, then don't modify your truck. But that's what goes goes on. And to go down a point where you kind of went down, which shaft? Okay, so, you know, on a 48RE, okay, you got the best input shaft, you know. Well, you, you're not breaking the input shaft. Well, then guess what? It snaps the intermediate shaft. Yeah. Oh. You put a built intermediate shaft in it, then it snaps the out shaft. Oh, now it snapped the, the 300M. You know, the three, it just keeps going on. You cheat changing stuff and, and making stuff bigger. Eventually, it's going to find somewhere. And on 48s, what you're, we're starting to see now is the low, the low sprag gets ripped out of the back of it, and the cases get ripped in half. You know, a 60 RFE, you put a, you know, a built, you, you break a stock input shaft, you put a 300M built input shaft in there. Okay, great. Well, then guess what? Now you break the overdrive clutch up. Okay, so you put a built overdrive clutch in there. Now you break the 300M input shaft. Now you put a miraging input shaft. And it just keeps going and going and going. There's no end. And it's just, again, the first thing we talked about, the last thing I said was a responsible driver. You know, if you drive your truck responsibly and you don't beat it every time you get on it, you're going to get more life out of it. But if you go out there and you're always showing your buddies, you know, doing burnouts and going from dirt onto pavement, at, you know, flying, going hard, or you're on the freeway and you, you know, you, you jump a rumble strip, you know, all these, all these things, you can't imagine things you've heard. You know, oh, I, I, I towed 40,000 pounds yesterday. You, that did damage, okay? It didn't die, 
And, and I also always like to use the anal- uh, another analogy people have probably done. If you've ever had a credit card you get rid of, and you start bending that credit card back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. You, know, you start bending at the beginning. It's pretty hard to bend, right? It, it doesn't want to bend. You do it a few times, well, guess what? It gets easier and easier and easier. And that last time, before, right when it breaks, it doesn't even take anything. It just pops right apart. Same thing is happening to your input shaft and your shafts and your transmission. Every time you put, you put a load to it and you twist it, it's like bending that credit card a little bit. So that first time, it didn't really care. The second time, it didn't care. You know, by time number 500, you start, you start seeing people online that will send a, like, put a picture up of their input shaft, and it's got twisted splines at the end of it. Well, guess what? You caught that thing right before it was going to pop. Because once those splines are twisted, that's your credit card being bent. It's just that last little thing, and the customer will always say, I was just driving down the road going 40 miles an hour, and it shifted to overdrive, and it broke. That's correct. I'm sure it did. What happened the last 100 miles or last 1,000 miles before that is what broke that shaft. That's just when, that was just the last little bend in the credit card that finally broke. Well, and it's, it's really interesting, too, to look at, you know, let's just take Dodge transmissions. And you know, we have the, the four speeds in the 47, 48 areas. I think a lot of the owners of those trucks, they know hey, I should just do the input shaft when I do this transmission. They're known to break. People have been talking about it for 20, 25 years. But then we get into the 68 RFE and you know, the shafts are larger and it's it's more refined. But then you've talked on a few episodes with us about these 10 speeds and how they may not break with stock power a little bit more, but they're getting more complex as far as how the shafts are designed in these new transmissions. And I think you had mentioned doing a bill of shaft on the, these 10 speeds is definitely not going to be in the same price range as you know, the old 48 RE's or, or 68 RFE. Really, really good point. So, you know, the Allison, you know, 10M, the Ford 10R, uh, I don't have them right in front of me. I don't have a measurement, but I'm going to guess they're right around three feet long, two and a half to three feet long, all right? The shaft in the middle is probably is, is the diameter of your fist, all right? It's huge, all right? And so there's a what we call a main shaft style transmission. It has one shaft from the front to the back, and then the output planetary is all, set, all separate with the sun gear. So there is only one shaft. Now, if you also look at the 6R140 and the four trucks, it's a very good, you can start to figure out what's going to happen here. So 6R trucks, a lot of 6R trucks make 1,000 horsepower, man. They, they can make some serious power. They don't break input shafts. In fact, they don't break any shafts, really. If you think They only break the intermediate shafts. And the reason why they break intermediate shafts is due to bad tuning, binding up on the 3-4 shift. The shaft itself isn't failing because of power. It's failing because of tuning binding it up. But when you look at that input shaft, that shaft is probably about oh, 16, 18 inches long. The longer the shaft, the more twist that shaft can twist without binding up and breaking on it, uh, you know, running out of room to twist and breaking on itself. So that's why on the 6R140s, given it would be almost impossible to make a shaft of that as well, um, unless you weld it in, um, which would be a whole other issue of, of breakage, but um, they don't really fail. Now, the 10R and the 10L, same thing. Now, will someone break one one day? Absolutely. It's going to happen, all right? But the thing is, is that shaft is so long and can take so much twist because it's so long that it's not going to be a failure point. Um, you're going to have clutch issues before you have shaft issues. Now, if a tuner puts a bad tune out there and a customer goes out there and hammers it, 
and it makes a shift, and you get three clutches applying at one time on a bind for a, for a millisecond, and it's a big enough clutch that comes on to create the bind, and it doesn't slip, well, something's going to give, and it will be the shaft, or it will be something, a spline. Something is going to rip apart. And aside from that, though, these newer trans with, with, with these long, um, you know, main shaft designs, they're really awesome. The bad news is if it does come time when we need to make a shaft for that thing, I wouldn't even, guessing at three or 4,000 a shaft would be a guess. And I don't even know if that is a realistic number or not. It could be more than that or less than that. But it's going to be outrageously expensive to make a shaft, just material costs alone, and then the amount of work on heat treat to make that shaft stay straight and to, to actually make that shaft with all there, – there's, there's on the uh, on the 10L, there's actually four offset holes in that shaft. So most shafts have like one hole going down the center of them. Well, that guy has four that are offset that are drilled, you know, 18, 19, 20 inches deep inside of it. So just think about the complexity of trying to drill those holes that deep and off-center. It's just, it's just crazy, that these new designs. They're, they're, they're impressive, but don't expect, you know, new shafts coming out anytime soon for those guys. It's just not going to happen. What's been really interesting this year is um, probably because people have some extra time or, you know, they're, they're, they're staying at home more, they're on YouTube or just listening to podcasts, different things, is we get a lot of people who don't own a diesel truck yet that are looking at one. And they're, what they're looking at varies a lot. It can be a 98.5 12 valve. It could be an LV7. It could be a 2011 to 15 power stroke. And once they go through, hey, what are some maintenance things I need to do? How are the turbos? Um, they always come back to the transmission. And so, for, you know, for anyone that's listening, I think it's really important to, once you pick a year range or a transmission style, it, it's not going to be universal upgrades you have to do. Like, you know, you had mentioned on a 47 or 48 RE, a little bit of extra power a lot of times, some miles, you know, they've been on the road for years. You might be able to snap that easier at a lower power level than you could a 6R140 or a 68 RFE. And so I think it's important to to reach out to you guys and, and ask those questions, you know, before just you know, going on a, 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 you know, your website and ordering something up or something like that is you really have to ask questions pertaining to the truck and your goals for it. So, you know, a towing setup on a 68 RFE is going to be different than a race setup on a four speed for a 2005-59. And so, you know, there's really, unfortunately, not just one simple answer of, you know, like you said, at 501 horsepower, you need this billet input shaft. But if you're at 499, you don't, and it'll last forever. And so I think it's really important for the listeners out there to really take into account if they don't have the truck or they do, and they're thinking of doing something with it, or you know, maybe their transmission's out, is asking the experts and the people who build these transmissions, what is the best setup that I'm going to be able to get for my intended use? Yeah, and that, I mean, that's, like I said, that. I, it's over a dozen times a day that call comes in here. They, my guys spend so much time with people trying to educate them because they go on people's websites and they see, well, this transmission is a 550, 550 horsepower training or this is a stage two or whatever, all these different things. And they're like, well, this guy says that his, his training is good. It'll hold 1,000 horsepower. Okay. And then you got to go through the whole, you have to break it down, you know, all the way back to, well, 
yes, it can. Let's look at the shafts and, and what shafts it has. And, you know, there's no, you know, for, your, for you Ford owners versus the Dodge owners versus the Duramax owners, you know, they're so different as far as which shafts fail. Mm-hmm. Take a 5R110, for instance. The input is the one you should care the least about in a 5R110. They only break every once in a while. The intermediate shaft is the one that breaks all the time in a 5R110. So if you were just to go on the Internet and say, oh, man, everyone says I need to build input shaft, well, yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, a building shaft's like 350 400 bucks for a 5R110. Your immediate shaft's $700. Why? It's a lot more complex and different materials, and it's harder to make, number one. And, and that's, unfortunately, on the Fords, that's what breaks. It's the intermediate shaft. It's not the input shaft. So every truck, you know, is it, totally different. And, and, again, the use you use it for, you know, intermediate shafts on, on, on 4748s, Heavy towing applications, you just snap those guys. Drag racing, here and there, but the heavy towing guys, you know, usually snap those. Drag racing, input shafts, output shafts on 48s. That's what goes. So, you know, again, there's just no, there's no one size fits all, and that's what we have to do with the customers when they call you. We just like to educate them and to try to get them understanding that, like you said, like like I said, you you reiterated that 501 horsepower or 499 horsepower doesn't make the shaft, there's no certain number at which it fails. It doesn't, it's not that simple. And if it were, this would be very easy. But it's, unfortunately, that's not how it goes. I'm glad we got to chat about uh, about shafts and billet ones. And th- those always come up a lot in like YouTube comments and social media posts and stuff. And there can be a lot of great information out there and there can be a lot of bad information. But, I mean, you guys are making these things and putting them in transmissions all the time. And, and I think... Uh, you know, or chat about what to look for or what to expect based on the year and the make of truck, this type of transmission, what your goals are for it. It'll help some, some people out there make some wise decisions, whether it's for their daily driver or more of a performance build. And it, uh, it you know, it's always great to chat with you, learn more and, and, uh, get some content out there for some diesel truck owners. So, you know, you get, uh, get, people who know what to expect and, and just the, the resources and the, the educations out there so they can make good decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice to, you know, get the information out there. So when people call or they call us or somebody else, they have knowledge. Um, because the worst thing is, is a customer, you know, that, that goes in blindly to, to shop a and just says, Hey, what should I do? And, and unfortunately a lot of times shop a just doesn't know. And they just been reading the same junk. The owner's been reading on the internet. So they just say, Oh, that's what I need. That's what you need. And they get, you get a very disappointed owner when it's all said and done because whatever they prescribed wasn't the right medication for the job. You know, it just wasn't the right thing. Don't forget, diesel fans, if there's any questions you have on building your four-speed, five-speed, six-speed, or even brand-new 10-speed Allison or, or Ford transmission, give the guys over at RevMax a call, chat with them. They are answering tons of questions every day and involved in so many different types of builds for customers that they can offer some insights and some advice. Make sure you get the right setup for your truck. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.